Today we celebrate the women of the Waterstone family. We especially uh, celebrate and welcome our moms. Can we just give them a round of applause again this morning? celebrate all of you women who are joining us uh, online and you moms and I want to say to my mom happy Mother's Day in Pennsylvania we are she said it Penn State (laughs) I always hear my mom's voice always the thing is uh, today we're going to talk about a meal that moms or dads women or men did not have to make. Though, you will have to decide what to make of it. Here's the story. Jesus' disciples had just returned from an apprenticeship where Jesus had empowered them to preach that the kingdom of God is here because Jesus is here. And we get a glimpse of what God's rule and reign is like. And he gave them power to heal the sick and perform miracles. Well, he called them back. They wanted to debrief, but Jesus knew they were exhausted, absolutely tired. Anyone tired this morning? Feeling like, especially the last year, has been hard. Everyone's kind of wanted a piece of you. They'd also received some hard news. They had just found out that Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, had been killed. At least one of the twelve that were with him, Andrew, had followed John the Baptist as his rabbi before he followed Jesus. And so, they're sad. It's a deeply, deeply um, hard time of grief. Anyone sad this morning? Like you've lost what is most dear Jesus be with you, as he was with them. Jesus decides to rest and debrief. They're going to go up to the north shore of the Sea of Galilee in a very remote area near a fishing village called Bethsaida. But by this time in Jesus' ministry, after such compelling teaching and miracles, it was impossible for him to go anywhere unnoticed. The paparazzi was on him, and even though they were in a remote area, the crowds gathered, and Jesus welcomed them again, and he healed the sick, and he taught about what the kingdom of God is like. That is what it's like to live with God. And he goes on and on. You know how we're all busy. Time goes fast. It got to be near the dinner hour, and Jesus' disciples come up behind him discreetly, but they say, Master, It's getting near the dinner hour. Can we send the people out to the surrounding villages where they could get a bite to eat and find lodging for the night? Otherwise, we're going to be stuck out here in the middle of nowhere. Jesus finishes with the person right in front of him. And then he turns to the twelve. And he says, you give them something to eat. He turns to Philip directly and he says, Philip, where will we buy bread? Enough to feed these people. Well, as you can imagine, the disciples were flustered, if not indignant. In fact, 
Philip shoots back and says, it would be half a year's wages to buy food for this crowd. I mean, as you saw in the text, there was 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Scholars think a crowd upwards of 10,000 people. They scrounge around, see what they have, and, you know, the text was nice about it. My guess is Andrew stole this little boy's lunch. (laughs) Five loaves, two small fish. What should we call it? A Lunchable. Ten thousand or so people and a lunchable. Jesus has the disciples transform into waiters. They get the crowd in groups of 50. I don't know why 50. Social distancing? I don't know. He prays, gives thanks for the bread, gives thanks for the fish, and then he just starts putting in baskets and putting in baskets and putting in baskets and and the text says that everyone ate as much as they pleased (sighs) why why did Jesus perform this miracle You see, leading up to this in the Gospel of John, he had healed an official son, probably a soldier's son, who was near death. That's life and death. He'd healed a man that was paralyzed for his entire life, lying beside a pool called the Healing Waters, and Jesus just said, stand up and walk. Again, a hard, hard situation. But here, the disciples were right. All they had to do was dismiss the crowd. They could go find lodging, go find food, and they'd be back tomorrow to start all over again the disciples instinct and compassion was right why did Jesus decide to do what he did I'm going to suggest two reasons you think them through with me see if you agree I think the first reason he did it was to demonstrate his deity display his godness I mean, who do you think of when you hear this statement? Moved by compassion, he feeds hungry people wandering around in the wilderness. You think of the God who in the First Testament fed an entire nation of of over 600,000 people for 40 years with manna and quail. Manna, manna. It's actually a Hebrew word that means What is it? No one really knew what manna was. In one place it's described as sweet coriander seed. What it really was, in my view, was honey nut Cheerios. Now, can you imagine some of you teens in the room would love this. You would have chosen to be in that generation if you had to eat honey nut Cheerios every day for 40 years of your life. But think about it. It just dropped from the sky like dew on the grass. I'm I'm thinking they invented things to pick it up. And God fed an entire nation in the desert for 40 years. He once fed 
the prophet Elijah so that the word of the Lord could keep going out to the nation of Israel. He fed Elijah by sending a raven with meat and bread in its beak. He once empowered the prophet Elisha to feed a large crowd from a few loaves of bread and they had stuff left over. You see, God was always, is always, feeding people. And Jesus says, do you remember all that? Me. It's me. I'm the one who can do that. I'm the creator of heaven and earth. I'm the one, the master of molecules, who can play with the energy equation and produce food from nothing. Me. Now, it was C.S. Lewis that said that the heart of Christianity is miracles. And you and I both know, if you've been around Christianity much at all, that the first testament sits on the miracle of escaping Egypt by the blood of the Lamb, the Passover, and then walking through the Red Sea on dry ground as God delivers them from sure death. That's the whole kind of picture of the First Testament. And in the New Testament, it sits on the miracle of Jesus' cross and resurrection. Cross also escaping by the blood of the Lamb, the penalty of our sins, and through the resurrection, walking through an empty tomb, freeing us from death, promising us eternal life. The entire New Testament sits on that. And now Jesus is saying to you and I, 2,000 years later, I am still in the business of rescuing people from sin and death. It's me. The reason that Jesus decided in a miracle that didn't have to be was to show that the kingdom has come in him and in his person but there's more yet to come. Because what a miracle is, is a glimpse of what everyday life in heaven is like. You see, God is not satisfied with the condition of this world any more than you and I are, and what's going on, and even in our own lives. And he has done something about it. These miracles were just a glimpse to remind us that death and disease and decay are actually suspensions of reality. And what's really to come is an abundance of food. And everyone eats as much as they please. The kingdom of God. Look up! Jesus is coming again to make all things new. I once knew a couple. They had two young little boys when the youngest, his name was Luke, was around four years old, he had decided that the time of training wheels was over and it was time to solo on his little bicycle. So his mom and his dad coached him up. Dad took the training wheels off, goes out in the street. It wasn't a busy street. They could ride on the streets. Just saying that for the kids in the house here. Dad gives little Luke a push on the bike. Mom and dad immediately noticed that when Luke, first of all, he just took off, like, wow, where did that come from? He just goes. But they noticed that when he pedaled, and he pedaled hard, he looked down. So he was pedaling, and he was looking down. 
And they started like yelling at Luke, look up. Luke looked up and he proceeded to do his first ever U-turn right on the street. Started, though he lost speed. So he started pedaling and he's looking down and mom and dad, Luke, look up. Boom. He ran into the bumper of a big GMC pickup truck owned by Joel and Jenna across the street. Bruised his poor little knuckles. Bruised his ego. Tears. Dad runs over. Swallows him up in, a, in an embrace. And through the tears, Luke says, Daddy, I did look up. But the truck was still there. <laughs> the trucks are still there now. But one day, one day, look up. No more trucks. No more bumps. No more bruises. No more tiredness. No more sadness. Look up. The first reason that Jesus decided to perform this miracle was to say that He's the one who has provided the bread of life for all people in all ages. Look up. The second reason, and this may make us squirm a little bit, that I'm convinced He did this miracle was to develop His disciples. He wanted to put them into a situation where they would be dared to trust him. That's why he turned to the disciples and he said, you feed them. A crowd of 10,000 from a Lunchable. You feed them. You know what it was, right? And God, he's great at this. He presented them an opportunity brilliantly disguised as an impossible situation. The text is clear. John, through his editorial comments, he says, Jesus already had in mind what he wanted to do, but he said it to Philip to test him. Here's what makes us squirm a little bit. The primary way that God wants to develop us as disciples is through testing, through putting us into situations where we have to rely on him, lean on him, see what's inside. He tested Philip. He tested the 12. By the way, I believe that's why there were 12 baskets left over. This was a kingdom business lunch meal. This uh, summer, more and more people in our community are going to be walking out their front door. You know, more and more on a regular basis, getting out into a more normal and active lifestyle. We're already seeing it. It's just going to continue to happen. Thank God. Right? We've made it. But I want you to think about something. The opportunities before us now, especially with our neighbors. Did you hear Jesus saying? You feed them. You feed them. I think it's literal in some ways. I think he wants us now, this summer, to begin doing hot dog roasts at the foot of our driveway, welcoming the neighbors. I think he wants us to begin to think and strategize about how we can connect and reconnect, how we can serve our neighbors. 
And let me just say that at Waterstone, we've had this strategy in mind for some time. Madison Campbell's leading this. We have some opportunities. We're calling it One Reach One, and we're just asking you to choose one neighbor, one, and go out of your way this summer to feed them. I mean literally, hospitality, drinks on the deck, whatever, but I also mean feed them the bread of life where you have in mind at some point to have a Jesus conversation where you just explain to them the difference he's made in your life. Explain to them why you call yourself a Christian. I mean, whatever the good news is that Jesus has brought to your life, Jesus is saying, now turn and you feed them. We're giving you some opportunities this summer. In June, parents, this is just for you. Kids, don't listen to this. But in June, we're going to have a night at the brewery for parents to invite someone, that one reach one, to, a, to a, a brewery and just have conversation. Everything starts with conversation. That's in June. You'll be hearing more about it. In July, kids, kids, we have rented Pirate's Cove for the entire evening. Woo! That's a water park. Woo! Now, we're going to pay for it all. But the price of admission is you need to bring someone. You need to bring a friend. And everything starts with conversations. So that's in July. And in August, you've already heard about it. Paul mentioned it. Vacation Bible School is back. And we're going to pack this place with socially distanced and all that we need to do. But we're going to pack it out with kids. And bring your neighbor's kids. Tell their moms and dads first. But bring the kids. You feed them. The reason that Jesus performed this miracle, 10,000 from a lunchable, is to demonstrate his godness and to say, I'm the one who can give every heart the bread of life. And then to develop his disciples to lean more and more into his voice, into his power, enough to have the courage to go and talk to our neighbors and invite them to something to welcome them to hospitality, whatever it is. Jesus wants to know, are, are people willing to join him in what he wants to give to a hungry world? The bread of life. And I'm asking, is that you? Is that us? Let's pray. Lord, my conversation with you this week has been about two things. I share it now, you know. I first want to pray for anyone in this room or anyone on this live stream that doesn't know you, that is tired, and that is sad, and their heart's crushed, and they're wondering where to turn next. Anyone that needs the bread of life this morning, who needs to know that Jesus is with them, who needs to know that Jesus has forgiven sins, and promised resurrection, even though the worst happens, it's not the last word. Anyone who needs you this morning, Jesus, to come into their life, to find their story in your story, we pray. It's as simple here in the room, on the live stream, as saying, Jesus, I need you. Please save me. Please help me. And then, Lord, for all of us who are following you, 
Lord, we've come out of this pandemic. We need a new normal. I want to pray based on Jesus' story today about a meal that we didn't have to make, but that he did. That you would inspire us to our neighbors this summer. That we would look at them through fresh eyes, seeing that you want to feed them. You want to be the bread of life in their heart. So move us, Lord. Move Waterstone to our neighbors this summer in new and creative and courageous and persistent ways. Help us feed the people empowered by Jesus through all that he's done for us. We pray in his name and all of us say together, amen.